0: Brought to you by the students at Mary Persons High School, in conjunction with MPTV, this is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. First up on our show today, we have Mary Persons student, Dante Olivieri here to talk about the MPTV Stream Team.
1: Today we will be focusing on Mary Persons' Audio, Visual, Technology, and Film Pathway, also known as the MPTV Stream Team. We are the class responsible for the school news, or MPTV, under the direction of Ms. Susan Little. The class is divided into years, from first years learning how to properly set up equipment and edit, to fifth years learning how to plan and direct shows, as well as teaching the lower years. Every week we plan, write, film, edit, and publish MPTV for the entire school to see and we take a lot of pride in the work we do. Every episode consists of six or seven individually made segments, such as weekly weather forecasts, usually done by Hunter Hudson, for example. I'm your weatherman, Hunter Hudson. To get started, Monday and Tuesday have a high of 75 and a low of 52. Wednesday and Thursday have a high of 77 and a low of 58, which sounds like perfect weather for the homecoming parade on Thursday. And to end off the week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday have a high of 76 and a low of 56, which is even better weather to crown a homecoming king and queen this Friday at the homecoming game. That's all for me this week, MP. We also have sports news, usually hosted by Madeline Scott. For example, this segment.
2: Good morning, May Persons. I'm Madeline Scott. We have a packed show for you today, so let's get started with some sports. Starting off with the softball team, the team played in a doubleheader against Central, where they won both games with scores of 10-8 to and 18-2. to During the second game, Taylor Short hit her second home run of the season. Great job, Taylor. Then on Tuesday, the team played at Jackson, where they fought hard but fell short. Then on Wednesday, the team played at Americus in a doubleheader. Coming up this week, the team will play Monday away at Jackson, Tuesday home versus Peach, and finally on Wednesday at home against Crisp County. Be sure to come out and support the Lady Dogs this week. Next up, the volleyball team played Pike, Stratford and Peach, where they put up a fight but fell short. Then on Tuesday, the team played Rutland, where they won 2-1. to Then on Wednesday, the team played Mountain Sales and Ace at Ace. Coming up this week, they play in an area tournament Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Good luck, Volley Dogs. Next up, the cross-country team traveled to veterans, where they competed in the Warhawk Invitational, where the boys placed third and the girls placed second, where Justin Wachtel was awarded as the Meet Champion and Ava McHout was medaled for the girls, placing sixth. Coming up this week, the team will race at Mount DeSales on Wednesday. Good luck, cross-country team. Last, but certainly not least, the football team played 7A noon in high school, where the dogs fought hard, but fell short losing 44-7. Jabory Goodson took off for the end zone and scored a 54-yard touchdown. Keep up the fight, Bulldogs. Last Friday, the team played away at Peach County High School. And this Friday, the team will play home against the Central Chargers for the homecoming game at 7.30 in the pit. Good luck, Bulldogs, and we hope to see all of you there. That's all the sports from us here at MPTV. Have a great week, Merry Persons, and as always, go dogs!
1: We also include interviews and current events. We also love to spice it up with holiday segments, fun skits, and whatever we think our fellow students would enjoy. Through this class, we learn everything from camera techniques to using editing software to how to speak confidently and perform in front of a camera. Thanks to Ms. Little, our class is able to bring the students of MPHS something truly special now on to Abby Pollock with an interview with Miss Bud
3: I'm Abby Pollock with MPTV and I'm here with Miss budd she's the director of school nutrition and we're gonna be asking her a few questions today about our school nutrition and our program and everything we have here our nutrition department routinely scores a 100 on their health department inspections. How do you prepare for these inspections and what do these scores
4: really mean? Well, first of all, thank you for noticing that. That is very true. We take great pride in uh, the hundreds that we receive and they're not easy to get. It truly is not that simple. Uh, What we have to adhere to is what's called a HACCP plan and that's determined by the Georgia Food Code The USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, and they govern our department. And so they set up guidelines, rules and regulations that we have to to really strictly enforce uh, because the main goal is to serve food safely, to prepare and serve food safely. So we have what's called HACCP, and that means Hazard Analysis Critical Control Point. And when you construct the HACCP plan, you are looking all over that kitchen to find out where are those volatile areas that we could certainly have potential for cross-contamination, that type of thing. So we create standard operating procedures are called SOPs is what we call them. And that's to avoid any type of foodborne illness uh, that could possibly grow. Uh, So it's very extensive, and to earn a 100 means we are doing everything right. We are paying such close attention to detail, and that goes from being out of paper towels to having the food served at the proper temperature. So a 100 is definitely an achievement.
3: Yeah, I really appreciate all the hard work, because I've been eating them from our school's nutrition since I was, I don't think I've ever brought my lunch to school, so.
4: Woohoo!
3: (laughs) Thank you. During the pandemic our nutrition department provided meals for the pickup to all students in Monroe County can you tell us a little bit like how the process worked and how everything organized and just from your perspective on that whole situation.
4: Okay you know how uh the genie crosses their arms and blanks and everything just happens yeah it was not that okay <laughs> so that was absolutely us at our finest um we get told on a Friday that school's closing, and guess what? You're serving meals starting Monday. So there was a lot involved. Uh, We didn't know what the USDA was gonna allow us to do. And as quickly, seriously as a blink of an eye, they uh, offered us seamless summer option waivers. During the summer, typically people can serve free meals to the community, so that's a standard program that we offer, uh, that most systems offer. Uh, but we were able to do it in an, a pandemic emergency situation is to operate under seamless Summer to provide these free meals. Well, then you got to look around and say, well, what can I serve safely? Uh, who's going to work it? Because we all were scared. I mean, it was a, a horrible, scary time uh, that we're still kind of in, but that was the initial. Nobody knew anything. So I had a staff of four, uh, I being one of four. And so We went around to schools. We had managers bring food. We didn't want to waste anything. So we utilized fresh fruits and vegetables first And designed how we were going to package these meals. We had to figure out the days we were going to do it. Uh, So there was a lot involved in making this happen. And I would say if even by serving one child, it would be successful but we served over 69,500 meals oh, <laughs> during that time. So I can say with all confidence it was successful. Recently,
3: the information was released that all Monroe County students are eligible for free breakfast and lunch through December 31st, end of the year, or when federal funds run out. How does that affect our daily nutrition staff?
4: Well, now it's very dynamic because it's, it's ever changing with virtual learners coming and going, schools closures. So our nutrition staff is very, very adaptable when the option, again, this is under that seamless summer waiver to be able to serve the free meals that the staff had to now understand we got to serve fast. There are more lunch periods. So we want to make sure that every child has the option. The first child gets the same options as the last child. So now, how are we going to manage all of this? So the nutrition staff, trust me, is very, very busy, uh, probably busier than they've ever been, even though the menu options are lessened to get to get the students through safely. And the fact that we have to handle everything until it all goes to the student. So. The nutrition staff is definitely taxed with more responsibilities than ever before.
3: Do you think there'll be a chance this program will be expanded? How is this different from some other counties who have always given free meals? I am
4: very hopeful that it will be lengthened. Um, Congress has finally passed uh, the option to fund the USDA $8 billion. We're not sure how this is gonna work, uh, but it's it's proposed that we are able to feed free meals through September, 2021. But until the Georgia Department of Education School Nutrition Program tells us we can serve for free, it's not gonna happen. So it's great that Congress has passed this funding, the USDA has to take that funding and then let us know. So yes, I'm hopeful that this is gonna extend through the year. The other part to your question, the other systems around us, several of them are operating under CEP. Which is called community eligibility provision and they have to meet a certain free and reduced percentage. It's not that easy, but they have to meet a certain free and reduced percentage to operate a community eligibility provision. So unfortunately Monroe County does not meet the qualifications, but I'm always looking for that opportunity, Um, but that's what it is. That's why they're able to do. There's also provision one and two where you can do free breakfast. Uh, Again, there are criteria that Monroe County Schools uh, does not meet in order to receive that provision, but we do the best we can.
3: Yeah, that's about all the questions that I have for you. Thank you for talking to me today. I just appreciate all the hard work that you put into our nutrition staff and our schools. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure and thank you for thinking about us. Of course, thank you.
0: Next up, we have Mary Persons student Autumn Richmond interviewing the principal of Mary Persons High School, Dr. Jim Finch.
4: How long have you been in schools or in Monroe County?
5: Uh, This is my 14th year.
4: Did you attend Monroe County Schools?
5: No, I did not. I grew up in a town, Commerce, Georgia, which is just north of Athens, and I moved there from when I was 16, so I went to Commerce City Schools, and then I transferred and went to uh, Oglethorpe County High School, which is just... East of Athens.
4: What did you teach before you were administrator
5: uh, math? I was a math teacher.
4: What's the biggest challenges you face on a daily basis?
5: Uh, well, the last, you know, seven or eight months we've dealt with um, obviously coronavirus. You know, a lot of sickness spreads faster in school settings than it does anywhere else because of the number of, of uh, kids that you have in close proximity, so Uh, working through how do you socially distant teenagers. What we're trying to figure out now is how do we still provide a quality educational experience while keeping everyone safe and being socially distant. So that's pretty much been, you know, big challenge closing down last year and then opening up this school year.
2: And what is it like being the last school that you see students before they graduate?
5: we probably get a lot of the credit for um, graduation rate and how we graduate students but you know this is the best district that I've been in there's great elementary schools here our middle school is is great and the high school is great but it is a little special for us to be the last school that they go through because students show a significant amount of growth here I mean they come in basically as 14 year olds and they leave as legally adult you know as an 18 year old so we get to see a lot of that late teenage growth and it's a really neat thing to see a student come in as, a, as an unsure freshman and then leave as a very confident uh, senior and I think that's one of the more satisfying things that we get to see here. Now, back to Dante
0: Olivieri for a bit of history on Mary Persons High School.
1: In 1912, the Bank Stevens Institute became the first public high school in Monroe County. But as the population grew, there was a need for a bigger, standalone high school. Mary Persons was established to replace the institute and better serve the students of Monroe County. The school was named after Miss Mary Persons by her two sons, Robert and George Persons, who contributed considerable amounts of time, money, and land to the educational progress of Monroe County. The school was housed in what is now the Board of Education building which still holds many artifacts from the old school. Hubbard School was also built during this time, but the two schools would eventually merge in 1970. The current Mary Persons campus would be built in 1983 during the tenure of Mr. Mike Hickman Sr. The school flourished during his time as principal. Being named a School of Excellence twice in the 1980s, as well as winning many championships and titles through its extracurricular programs, Hickman would step down as principal in 1999, and Mr. Eric Porter would take his place. Porter oversaw the expansion of the school in the form of 15 new classrooms, known as the 500 Hall, as well as a technology lab. Porter was succeeded by Mr. Joe Parlier. Parlier facilitated the construction of the MPHS freshman campus, which was completed under the tenure of the current principal, Dr. Jim Finch. Mary Persons currently serves around 1,200 students and 75 teachers and to this day strives to serve the community well and stand as a model of education to surrounding school districts. These days, Mary Persons High School is known for their football team, the Bulldogs. Fans from all over the county come together to support their team, boasting signs and filling the Dan Pitt Stadium for every game. The school also hosts many other extracurricular activities, such as impressive band and choir assemblies, a golf team, and the aforementioned MPHS stream team. Stop by for a concert or a game and see the Mary Persons Legacy in action. Now for an interview with Dr. Hickman, Superintendent for Monroe County Schools.
6: You recently met with your superintendent's parents' advisory council as well as your staff's advisory council. What is the purpose of those groups and how do they shape the way Monroe County Schools are run?
7: Uh, We created these groups several years ago and it's basically a way for the community and parents to understand what it is that we do in Monroe County Schools. And so that they can provide input uh, from their perspective about the things that we're doing and the plans that we have moving forward. And I also like to meet with our staff, uh, the staff advisory council. We have teachers, custodians, clerical staff, We have members of all groups there. And I wanna get their feedback on different things we're doing in the school. Like we're beginning to talk about the calendar for next year. And I wanna try to get everybody's input on the different things that they'd like to see with some options, and then we'll put them out maybe to all, all stakeholders, to let, like a survey, and let them choose the one that best fits uh, their needs or their wants. Uh, basically, those groups are just to share our message and to uh, get some feedback about how we're doing. I am always, as superintendent, looking for ways for us to improve what we do and better serve our students, and that's just one of those tools that we're able to do that
6: with. The Georgia School Board voted against State Superintendent Woods' recommendation for a low weight for end of course tests. What are your thoughts on how much those tests would be weighted? How long do you think it will take students to recover from any academic losses during the 2020 spring shutdown?
7: First off, I would like to say that uh, a little disappointed. Uh, we actually, uh, Superintendent Woods, actually, State of Georgia requested a waiver from Georgia Milestones. Uh, We we requested, we didn't test last spring, and Georgia actually requested a waiver not to test this year, and it's a little disappointing that we have to even give the milestones in any form, in my opinion. I do feel like since we're in a global pandemic, uh, there's so many kids that have not been back to school face-to-face. There have been some interruptions in learning that I'm not so sure what the data might show uh, in giving an assessment like that right now. So my first opinion is, I wish that we didn't have to give them. Because as you know, uh, we're on track because we're blocked schedule at Mary Persons. We're going to have some kids taking milestones in December, and that's right around the corner. So that is concerning to me. Not real sure what that data may show for kids, Uh, those that are getting instruction face-to-face versus virtual. And some kids that are on virtual have not made much progress. I really worry about them, the amount of uh, material that they've learned or grown since we've been out uh, since March 12th. So all in all, I mean, I I feel like we're gonna, it's gonna take some time. Uh, Once the pandemic, we get through it, we get a vaccine or therapeutics that we can deal with it effectively, where all parents and all students feel comfortable about coming back to school. We're probably gonna have to do a lot of remediation, uh, going back over some things, especially with our younger kids with reading skills, math foundational skills, math facts. We're on the seventh month of not actually being all face-to-face. We've got kids at all different levels. So, yes, I am worried about that. We're actually talking about uh, next year's calendar, about providing some places where we can do remediation, whether it's in school, before school, or after school. But, yes, it is concerning where our kids are and how they're progressing and how they're succeeding as it relates to the standards right now.
6: What would be three things you would tell the first year teachers, like the new teachers this year?
7: The first thing I would say to a new teacher is just be patient with yourself. A lot of times there's high expectation there's a lot to do as a new teacher. I think the most important thing that I try to stress to them is to continue learning and growing. You know, we don't expect a new teacher to come in and know everything right away and somehow just be a sponge for the things around you and continue trying to learn and grow uh, in your capacity. Second thing would be surround yourself with positive, uh, competent staff people that can help you with your lessons and your units and uh, give you some pointers and uh, information that you need to know to navigate the school, the website, finding things, how to assess students properly. Each of our new teachers has a mentor, and that mentor is that person that they can lean on and ask questions, email. They have to meet with the principal, I think, every quarter so that they make sure that that new teacher is being supported and they have the things that they need to be successful. And I guess the final thing I would say, I'm a big proponent of people enjoying their work and kids enjoying what they do. So I would want them to have fun because typically people who enjoy what they do, do a better job with it. And so I want them to be able to laugh at themselves and have a good time in their work because if they have a good time and they're enjoying it, they typically will do a better job.
6: How do you think face-to-face is going so far?
7: Face-to-face is going well. I think we are still believe that the highest level of rigor that we can provide for our kids is through a face-to-face instructional setting. We have had uh, uh, cases of COVID uh, at all three levels and obviously when we do get a positive case uh, we have to do the uh, six feet for 15 minutes cumulative exposure and typically there are kids that are being exposed even though we try to separate the desk as far away as we can in some classrooms because of space and the number of kids that are in that class they're going to be exposures. We did have those eight cases uh, at the middle school and what ended up us the board making the decision to uh, go online for 10 days was it affected the exposures and the sickness was affecting the teachers and we were finding problem finding subs and people that could fill in so uh, it's a lot of times it's easier to deal with uh, the student cases uh, but it almost becomes impossible when it becomes teachers and we had a I think we had eight or nine teachers that were out and then finding substitutes that are willing to come in during COVID and serve uh, we just didn't have those people available, and that's why we chose to do it uh, online for 10 days while things settled down a bit, and hopefully that little outbreak will be past us when we start back up. You know, we've, we've done fine. I knew we were going to have cases, and I knew that uh, we would have times where we may have to go online for a few days based on the numbers in our community and how many kids were and staff were testing positive in the school district. I do commend our staff. I commend the students for trying to follow the safety protocols. And we'll continue doing the best we can to keeping our kids face to face. And hopefully uh, over the next few months, uh, there'll be a vaccine for COVID-19 and there'll be lots more medicines and therapeutics that uh, can be prescribed for people that are suffering. And so that everybody won't be anxious and they won't be scared about the coronavirus and everybody will feel good about being back in school together again.
0: In the final segment of today's show, we have Monroe County Schools employee, Patrick Hamilton, interviewing the Vice President of Leadership Monroe's 2020 class, Mr. Ricky Shirley. Ricky, I appreciate you joining us today.
8: I'm glad to be here, Patrick.
0: Let's jump straight in. So what is Leadership Monroe?
8: Well, Patrick, Leadership Monroe is a program that was developed by the Forsyth Monroe Chamber of Commerce. And really designed to bring in and network, you know, a diverse group of individuals, give them opportunities to have a deeper dive into the community that they live in, um, a better understanding of of how it works, the government, uh, some of the bigger players and smaller players, and you know, involved in the economy of our city and how important it is for all those things to work together uh, throughout the area. So it's just a good opportunity to to get engaged with our community in a deeper opportunity than most people get.
0: Now, what led you personally to join the 2020 Leadership Monroe
3: class?
8: Well, honestly, it was through my company that I work for. I'm employed with Georgia Power. I'm a safety advisor there, and we've always been heavily involved in the communities that we serve in. Um, so, I was afforded the opportunity there, which which I was ready to do. I have many friends and uh, Throughout the community that have done it over the years, because this program has been going on for a long time, so over the years I've had friends uh, that have and colleagues that have gone through this program and spoke very highly of it. So when I was afforded the opportunity to it, I sure wasn't going to turn it down, and I'm glad that I did.
0: Now, as this year's class reaches near a close, what was your favorite experience through Leadership Monroe?
8: Well, you know, 2020 was kind of kind of a crazy year, but we we had a good year. And honestly, it was just getting the deeper dive in some of the local government, uh, understand what they do, and and how some of it works, and how they all try to work together. And it was really good through everything that we went through, whether it was some of the economic development meeting with the local leadership, uh, some of your some of your businesses, tourism, all those things, and how honestly they're just cogs in the wheel. They're all trying to to work together to honestly create a a vibrant community, you know, in the Precythe Monroe County area. So learning more about that was definitely a good experience.
0: Each year, the Leadership Monroe class presents a project to the community. What project is the 2020 class currently working on?
8: We're going to do a lot of volunteerism throughout the community, but coronavirus 2020 threw us a curveball after uh, some discussions on what we could do and some things that we thought would be important right now is really honestly helping small businesses and local nonprofit charities throughout the community. So one of the things that we thought we could do is start a program to bring attention to the smaller businesses and these charities and try to encourage people to shop local, think local, and honestly try to build a sense of pride and and comfort with with getting back and shopping local. So we decided to start a program uh, that we are Forsyth Monroe Strong. Uh, We brought in some local businesses to get on board with us created a website and an avenue for them to put their information out there to the community to offer, you know, special discounts and put it in a place where you may go to see one thing, but you have an opportunity to see many others. So it may take you to see a business that you haven't even really thought about shopping at. You may go to look at eating with Jonas on Johnson and realize that, hey, we got a, a feed and seed store here in town. And, you know, maybe that's something somewhere I could do business with to, you know, continue Pouring into the local community and the local economy, so so that's what we did. We had some great sponsors that gave us some money to, to get this kicked off. We're selling cards. Uh, we call them special offer cards that are available now. They're five dollars a piece. Some really good deals on there, and and the great thing is, Patrick, is that every bit of the money that we raise and even some of the money left over from our donors is going to two great local charities, which are Backpack Buddies um, and the Anchor of Hope. Which to be honest, a lot of our charities and nonprofits are are Having a tough time too this year, so with this program, we just felt like we can uh, highlight some local businesses, perhaps help the local economy get some people back out shopping, and at the same time, help out two great uh, local charities that we have here, in Anchor Hope and Backpack Buddies.
0: Now, if you are purchasing local or if you're a business that wants to get involved, how do you go about doing so?
8: Well, the easiest thing to do, Patrick, would be to go to our website, which is going to be www.we rfmstrong.com, um, but it's important to know that it's we the letter r the letter f the letter m and the word strong.com you can join there as a business just simply click on become a partner get your information to us we, we would love to have businesses on there we can also you can call the chamber uh the under chamber the number there is 478-994-9239 and we keep cards there that are available to purchase or, you know, go find us on the Facebook page leadership Monroe and, you know, reach out to us. We'd be happy to uh, sell you some cards are $5 a piece. We still have some out there and we would love to sell every one of them. We are fmstrong.com and the Versythe Monroe chamber, 478-994-9239. Get you pointed in the right direction and get you involved.
0: So you heard it right there. Go ahead and reach out to the Forsyth Monroe chamber. Or you can check out their website at wearefmstrong.com. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts
8: expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.